And now, a special presentation of Faith Fit Radio with your host, Glenda Meekins. Welcome to Faith Fit Radio. I'm Glenda Meekins, a writer for the Florida Catholic and the Diocese of Orlando Communications Office. Joining me today is Father Kent Walker, pastor of St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Church in St. Cloud. Father Kent is known as the singing priest and will once again be a part of the Living Stations of the Cross coming up, but more on that later. Welcome, Father Kent. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. So you're often referred to as a singing priest. How did you get this nickname? <laughs> yeah, it, um, it happened years ago. Um, I, had been, I was singing uh, in church. Sometimes I would sing a song after, or, or right before I would preach the homily, it would kind of set the tone for mm-hmm. it. And after Mass one day, this person came up to me and said, you know, we've got the singing nun, the flying nun, now we've got the singing priest. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And I said, oh, thank you. I never thought of it like that before. (laughs) So, yeah, just kind of stuck, you know. So when did you start singing? Oh, my gosh. I think, uh, oh, my Lord, Uh, as early as I possibly could, I think I I came out singing. Um, you know, my mom's like, I'm having a baby, and he sings. So, yeah, I, I just have always, I, I've always, you know, loved singing. And it was probably in middle school, junior high, that um, I actually sang, and someone said, oh, you have a nice voice. And mm. that's when I, I paid attention. I was like, oh, I do? And from that moment on, I, I just started singing more and more in high school. I was very involved in music. And uh, and it be- it was became my passion. It really I loved it. I love music. Oh my gosh, I love music. So and, I understand when you went to the seminary, um, you kind of took your music there, didn't you? You know, I did. It was one of those things where um, I, I felt like you know the Lord was nudging you know nudging me to say go to the seminary and and you know see if this is your call. And I was kind of going back and forth thinking, do I just want to go into professional music? And I just felt the nudge, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to go to the seminary, get it out of my system, then I won't feel guilty when I leave and sing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I went thinking I would give it a year. And I'll never forget the very first Mass. Um, it was like an, an orientation Mass for all the new students. Mm-hmm. I'm in the chapel, the college chapel in St. Meinrad, Indiana. And uh, and everybody was singing, and I just felt this warmth come over me, and I thought, okay, I'm supposed to be here right now. Mm-hmm. Little did I know that I would be using my gifts there. I just kind of thought, well, I'm going to give it up, you know. And and years later, I, I kind of thought God was laughing at me like, well, why would I give you this <laughs> gift to me so that you would give it up? So, yeah, so I had such a great opportunity. It almost at times felt like a school for the arts because – the Benedictine um, priests there, um, they, you know, have such a great, rich prayer life and music and instruments and all of that. And it was a a liberal arts college. And so I got great, great education, but music and theater, you know, all together. And so it was just feeding me. I was getting everything I loved, God, music, theater, you know, I couldn't believe it. It just seemed like, no, this isn't happening. Now, what year was this? Because uh, this was oh, St. Meinrad Seminary and where Diocese of Orlando used to send yes. its seminarians, right, before we had seminaries here. That's right. That's right. That was before we sent all of our guys down to St. Vincent de Paul. 
Um, it was in the 80s, so I went in, um, I was there from 81 to 89, actually, mm. because I did my undergraduate and the major seminary, you know, uh, theology there as well. So it was pretty much the 80s is, is when I was there. So what year were you ordained? In 1989. Okay. And at that point, did you think your singing days were over? I did. I did. In fact, it was something that I was kind of grieving a little bit, you know, my last couple, you know, months at the school thinking, okay, we're done. You know, <laughs> we've sung all that we're going to sing. Now we're going to go do what you feel like God has called me to do. And that is, you know, go be in the parish. And I was willing and ready for that and didn't think I would ever, you know, do any music or theater ever again. Now, you didn't really leave it behind, though, because you were mentioning um, earlier about your singing uh, before the homilies, and this is something you incorporated, wasn't it? Right it was. from the bat, off the bat? Yeah, and it was, it was in my first year. In fact, there was a real good friend of mine who was in the parish, and I, 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 we had gone to lunch, and I said, hey, listen to this song and tell me, you know, what you think. So I was, so I put like this little cassette, you know, in her car stereo and sang it. And she says, oh, that sounds great or whatever. It's so beautiful. And I said, I would really like to do this right before I sing the homily. I think mm -hmm. it would really make a lot of sense for the words that I'm going to say. And she says, oh, you've got to do it. I said, do you think they're going to kill me? <laughs> they're going to burn me at the stake? Are you sure? And, and she says, no, go for it. Do it. And uh, I did. And pleasantly surprised. People didn't see it as... You know, I was showboating or I was, you know, trying to get applause or, you know, I was, you know, doing a stage thing. They really got it. Okay. They got that, oh, yeah, this is a humble, you know, beautiful gift, you know, to tie in with the message. And they were touched by it. And it was, and so many of them would come up to me after Mass, you know, saying, hey, do you have an album? <laughs> and I was like, nope. <laughs> I don't have an album. You know, because they like, hey, I want to get that song. I like that song, you know. And I want to give that to my children or something like that. And so what parish were you um, working in at that time? Uh, Ascension Catholic Church. That was in Melbourne, Florida. Wow. Now, you know, I know what they say. When you sing, you pray twice. Amen. So the I know that you ended up with seven albums, but the first album actually came about when you were at St. Charles, right? St. Charles Borromeo in Orlando? I was. I was there for a year. I was teaching at Bishop Moore and helping in the in the parish there. And um, I had was doing, um, you know, early, early daily mass and... Um, and, you know, people, you know, so usually the same crowd sitting in the same spots. But there was this, this kind of We're business We're so predictable. Man. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and there was this businessman who I'd never seen before, and he was, you know, at Mass, and he looked very devout, and he looked like he had a lot on his mind. And, um, and I had a kind of funny feeling that he wanted to talk about something after Mass. And interestingly enough, he came knocking on the, on, on the door and said, Father, can I speak to you? And I said, sure. And we had this huge conversation. He was dealing with a lot of things in his life. And then at the very end, you know, he said to me, you know, I'm in music, too. And he goes, I, I, he goes, I've heard you sing. I love, you know, I love what you do. I said, oh, I said, you're in music, too. I said, are you a singer? He says, no, no, I don't sing. I said, oh, you, you play an instrument. He goes, no, I don't play. <laughs> I said, well, how is it that you're in music? <laughs> and he said, well, I have my own record company. And... um and have you heard of groups like 
Molly Hatchard and Leonard Skinner and oh all. Goodness. I was like, "What?" <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, these were these were groups that you know that I had." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Wow. And uh, I said, and at that point, I had was just about to sign a recording contract with a Christian label out in Seattle, and I had the paperwork, and I and I was going to go to the lawyer and just kind of see, you know, what this was all about. Mm-hmm. And I said to him. I said, um, can I, sh-? you know, I told him about it. He goes, oh, let, you know, let me see these contracts. And so I, I brought him to his office. And he, and, and, and when it was interesting, because when I went into his office, I didn't know what to expect, but hmm. all on the walls were all these gold and platinum albums. Oh, my gosh. And I thought, okay, this guy's the real deal, you <laughs> yeah. know? So he read through everything, and he said to me, um, well, he says, it's not bad. He says, they're going to own you for a while. He says, what do you want? I mean, what do you want to accomplish? And I said, well, just people keep asking me if I have any recordings, and I tell them I don't have any. Mm. And I said, I just want to be able to, you know, to have that because they want to take that with them. And he said to me, you know, God has been really, really good to me, he said, all my life. And, you know, I've been very successful. You know, he was involved with Sony Records and all of that wow. as a, you know, as an, as another label that he connected with. And he said, you know, God has been so good to me. He says, I want to give back to God. He says, I'm going to do your album for you. Uh-huh. I so, said, what? <laughs> <laughs> so who was this gentleman? Can you say? His name is Patrick Armstrong. He's a prisoner at St. Mary Magdalene. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and else what springs. Yeah. A very, you know, a kind, devout Catholic. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and his music that he made all his money was on this hard rock and roll. You know, he's, <laughs> and you look at him, he's Mr. Straight Lace, you know, <laughs> you know, all-American guy. And then, you know, and he's now he's doing this album for this priest, you uh. know. And, and he had the people that normally work on all that other stuff, you know, doing this album. And oh, they were so nice to me, but, you know, they were... They were kind of like, whoa, what is going on here? <laughs> we're taking a turn for Christian music. Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> they were like, I don't, wow, this is a new one. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, it was good. So that's how that, you know, that's how that Got started. started, yeah. Yeah, and then I would do concerts around the different churches. And, uh, um, and then and afterwards. I know you were on several, several shows. And... Yes, yes. Did a lot of television at that time, and interestingly enough, not Catholic because there wasn't a lot of Catholic things on. It. I don't think EWTN time, yeah. didn't even exist, and it was, um, yeah, there was uh, a lot of the big Protestant evangelical shows. And here is this Catholic priest singing. <laughs> they were like, well, "What do we do with this? <laughs> well, we've never seen this before." But we'd have great interviews, and a, and a lot of times, what would happen is I would get a lot of mail from people all around the world, you know, saying, thank you for what you said, and mm. it really helped me, and, and you cleared up some of, the, uh, some of the, the misconceptions we had about the Catholic faith. And, so you know, God used it. Yeah, definitely. I, it was, it was, I had no idea it would even go to that place. That's wonderful. Well, I remember you telling me that um, there was one woman in particular yeah. after your first album, Sacred Landscapes, in 1996, that wrote to you um, about how profoundly the music had affected her. Can yeah. you tell me a little bit about that story? Yeah, that story for me kind of made sense of everything that I was doing. Um, she was saying that she was dealing with you know, some hard stuff in her life, and she was very feeling... D- just really sad and and suicidal. Mm. 
and she said that she would listen to the album a lot, and she would listen to it over and over, and she says on many occasions it kept her from committing suicide. I know, I was just, I was sitting there just blown Blown away away. getting this. I'm like, oh my Lord, seriously? And and I kind of thought to myself in that moment, if if nothing else ever came of this ever again, hmm. what it was meant to do was it did something it had way been beyond me. Yeah, this and and the, the the really beautiful thing about it was she found out where I was going to be doing a concert, and she came to the concert and came up and introduced herself. To so me. you got to meet her in person. I did. I did. We gave each other the biggest hug, and we're just so wow. I was so blown away. I'm thinking to myself. I understand music and how music touches people's lives. I really do. And I could just see that somehow some of the words or some of the songs on that album just spoke to her heart and gave her hope. It's beautiful to see that God gave you this gift, this expression, um, you know, of your faith and to be able to see that have a ripple effect in someone else's life and and tangible and palpably because, you know, you don't always get that. So what a grace that was. Yeah, that's true. You don't always, you never know. Yeah, that was a grace. It kind of just made me feel deep down inside that, you know, that I was really using the gifts for the right reason. So fast forward, and now you have seven albums. Um, The most recent was a Christmas album that you all put out in December with uh, St. Thomas Aquinas Choir, right? Yes, yes, our singers. Yeah, it's called Peace, the album. Yeah, it was really beautiful. We had a Mm. fun time making it. Um, The the people in the parish, you know, they, they really love music here, and so they were they were thrilled to be able to get that. So tell me a little bit about the project you're working on with the Living Stations of the Cross. I know that you've yeah. done this for, for some time. It's, yes, over um, 20 years. Yes, and and it has been around for, I think, it's in its 36th year this year. You know year. what? I just found out, you know, Glenda, that it has been around for 48 years. Really? Yes. It, it, apparently in 1970 at St. John Vianney Catholic Church, uh, uh, Jim and Dee Valentine they took the youth group and they um, they uh, they created this with them, the Living Stations of the Cross. Mm. And in 1973 is when they took it on the road to go around the diocese. Oh my so gosh! So since 70 to obviously 2018, 48 years, this has been you know going on. And since 73, 1973, it's been going around the diocese. Well, this is, it's a beautiful, um, you know, real... uh, Powerful, isn't it? Yes. So tell us a little bit about it for our listeners. Um, Okay. Tell us a little bit, how many members um, are are a part of this? And just give us the background a little bit. Okay, so there's probably about 30 people in the cast. Myself and uh, and Kelly Hunt, um, we sing because every station has a contemporary christian song with it okay um so that kind of bring it kind of ties it into the to the station you know that they've seen in the so the station is brought live um with actors costuming lighting all of Mm. that and it's so it's it's very very poignant um and it does it it's not it's it's not just tableau because most of the most of the scenes are tableau where the actors are frozen in in place it eventually Mm. moves into the actual crucifixion, okay. and they even take it to the point of resurrection. Oh, beautiful! Um, yeah, so um, <clears throat> yeah, lots of different ages, young and old, um, are involved in this, 
And, um, and then we're at Holy Family, March 7th, St. Peter and Paul, March 9th in Winter Park. March 16th, we're at St. James in Orlando. Mm-hmm. March 23rd, we're at St. Charles Bermeo in Orlando. And then Good Friday, we're here at St. Thomas Aquinas, where, where they have been coming here for many, many, many years. It's, uh, it's narrated. Uh, the words are beautiful, and it takes the stations, and it really kind of brings them home to us. It takes them out of a out of out of an uh, an historical moment, and really allows us to be able to reflect and and connect to that station. Like, what does that station mean to us for the times that maybe we have fall, you know, mm. we, we have fallen, or the times that maybe we've been Simon and we've been called to help somebody, you know. So it's beautiful the way it's done, especially with the narration and the music, because um, I think people walk away feeling like they've truly connected. Well, to it. I've this is what I've heard as well, and I have not been um, blessed to to see all of it, um, mm. just you know parts and images. But I understand too that um, parishes can call and have it done at their parish. I know that uh, yes. Doris Hunt, who's the director now, yes. said they still have February 23rd open. Yes, they do. Yes. So. Right. Yeah. And because and we we normally go on every Friday during Lent. Um, so, yeah, that, that particular date is open. Yeah. And it, it's really easy in a sense because we come in and do all the work, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not hard. Um, we do everything. You know, there's a, a crew that puts everything up and everybody comes and does this beauty. It's very, very prayerful. It's extremely spiritual. Um, and I've, it just blows me away <laughs> how people connect to it. You know, they just, you know, you can hear them sniffling at times, you know, mm-hmm. they're just really, really letting it um, touch their heart. And what a beautiful thing during Lent. Absolutely. So, yeah. So what keeps you doing this 20 years? And I, I, well, first of all, I love it. Um, I love what it stands for. I, for me, it becomes part of my Lenten spiritual practices and connections that, that I try to make. You know, because sometimes it is a sacrifice for me in some ways, because Friday nights I've got to drive someplace else, mm. you know. And um, I do it willingly. But, you know, sometimes I have to, you know, make some sacrifice to make sure I can do it. Um, so I get a lot from it personally because, you know, the words that I'm singing and the words that I am narrating, they penetrate me and, um, and call me to a mm-hmm. deeper relationship. So it becomes real part of my Lenten journey. So and I, and I love the dedication. You know, here it is Friday night, and you got all these different people from different walks of life and different ages. You know, teenagers, kids, or whatever. You know, they're not going out Friday night to the movies <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. They're there. Yeah, they're there. I mean, I just think that is uh, wonderful. It's such a great witness, and uh, the people that that see it, you know, they're always blown away by them. Well, thank you so much for oh, for sharing your gift. Um, you know, so much for ending in the seminary. Okay. <laughs> thank goodness you didn't. Yeah, amen, amen. <laughs> I would have been really sad. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you very, very much for um, for um, listening to me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. You can 
listen or go and view the Living Stations of the Cross throughout the Diocese of Orlando, Holy Family in Orlando, March 7th, Saints Peter and Paul in Winter Park, March 9th, St. James Cathedral in Orlando on March 16th, St. Charles Borromeo Parish in Orlando, March 23rd, and St. Thomas Aquinas on Good Friday, March 30th. For more information, contact Doris Hunt at 407-340-3024. This is Glenda Meekins. Thank you for listening. Hey, boy.